We'd like to apologize, but due to some technical difficulties, the beginning of this message was not recorded properly. We hope that the remainder of this message is still able to be a blessing, and that God is still able to speak to you. And, uh, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following uh, many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by also by the one man's obedience, the many were, will be made righteous. Verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Let me read verse 20 one more time because we're going to pick on this a little bit. The law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for that long passage that we just read. Father, I pray that as we get into this, Father, that we'll pull nuggets out of it. Father, uh, and, and nuggets that are applicable to us, Lord, that we can plug in immediately, even today, Father, and start to see change in our lives, oh God. So give us the grace, uh, Lord, just to be honest with ourselves, uh, Father, as we look inward uh, to allow you to, to do some work on us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, um, a lot of times counseling has a negative connotation. When you hear somebody say, you know, oh, I went to counseling, the first thing you think is, oh, what's wrong? Right? You're counseling. What, what happened? Right? And that's not it at all. I remember the first time I got spiritual counseling. It was through my associate pastor in Guam. His name is Mark Benevente, and he's a counselor by trade. Uh, and he does uh, what they call prayer counseling. Uh, and there's this whole movement, there's this whole organization that does it. And so he was opening the Asia-Pacific chapter. And he told me, he said, hey, Roland, hey, my mentors are here. And they want to they wanna give you a free session, a free one-hour session. And that's where my mind went. Oh, but uh, what if there's, like, nothing really wrong? And he said, no, it's just, just go. Uh, it's, it's good for you. And it's, it's like checking the oil under the hood. And I said, okay, you know what? Sign me up. And I went. And I tell you what, it was one of the greatest things I've ever done. Not that anything was wrong with me. But just being able to unload and, and to talk and to, and to discuss things, you know, that was life-changing for me. So me and my wife... Uh, we had the same session, uh, we went to the, it was the same day, same time, our sessions were separate, and man, I tell you what, when we came out, I remember seeing her at the end of the hall of our church, uh, on, our, on our office side, and I remember, you know, she was wiping her eyes, there were happy tears, she's like, oh, and she ran to me and she gave me a hug, 
And I thought, wow, this is, it was already different. There's something about being honest that allows you to just be free. And I believe that's what God wants to do with us today. So here Paul is writing to the Romans while he's in Corinth. He was talking about the great benefits that come with being declared righteous by God through faith in the death of Christ. But even before that, he first had to go back and explain the problem. And the problem was something called sin. No surprise to us, we know this. At first, it appears that the problem is not really ours because it addresses a man named Adam, right? It says that sin came into the world through the one man. And wow, thanks a lot, Adam, because of you, now I have to go through this here. And you guys have to go through it. And so now because of that, we have to experience something called death. And in the Bible, when it talks about death, it's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about a separation, a separation from God. When we get separated from God, we start to get spiritually malnourished. And spiritually, you will not survive. So that's what it's talking about when it says death came through the one man. Now, of course, we all die physically. Um, I hope no time soon in Jesus' name. Let me just cover you with the blood uh, in the name of Jesus, right? So it's like, you know, wow, thanks, Adam. Appreciate that. Right, Romans 5 says that this sin and death not only affected him, because Adam decided to disobey God and to obey his wife, we now have what we have. What Adam should have said was, I love you, honey, but we cannot eat that fruit. That's what he should have said. But because of her booty, uh, beauty, sorry, because they were naked, I'm just saying, Adam was like, yeah, sure, babe, right? And because of that disobedience, it affected the whole family. Now the whole family had to suffer. So let's talk about blessings and curses real quick. Blessings and curses are spiritual ramifications that manifest in the natural. Spiritual ramifications that manifest here in the natural where we are. Here's the definition of ramification. You can say ramification is a consequence of an action or an event. God set forth rules that determine if you will be blessed or not. He's the one that created them. Uh, let me read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Some of you may be familiar with this again. It says this. And if you faithfully obey, say obey. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations, and all these blessings, say blessings. How many like blessings? God bless you. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. How many would love it to not just receive blessings, but have blessings overtake you. Like blessings just so much like, man, I got blessings falling out of my pocket. Excuse me, that's, that's my blessing. You know, excuse me, don't step on my blessing, right? Blessings will overtake you through one action, and it's called obedience. It's called obedience. Uh, one story that I love to tell to kind of show this picture of obedience is uh, 
about a little boy who had a neighbor, an elderly lady who loved to bake. And this young boy knew when she was baking something because he could smell it. And so he couldn't wait, so she's baking something, uh, and he's just waiting for her to call. Well, at the same time, the husband is on the porch, back porch, and he's painting the porch. And so the elderly woman knows that this kid is going to come steamrolling through. And let's just call him, I don't know, uh, what's a good kid name? Bobby. So Bobby smells the cake. She puts the cake on the windowsill. He sees it and he comes running. But she knows that her husband is painting the porch. And she says, Bobby, do not come onto the porch. Go through the other door. And he says, don't worry. I'll be careful. He runs onto the porch with the wet paint, messes it up. And when he gets to the cake, she scolds him. And she says, you know what? I don't want you to be careful. I wanted you to obey. And sometimes we have this attitude where we follow God and we carefully disobey him. That'll preach, won't it? That's a whole nother message, ain't it? Lord, we just thank you for today. No, I'm kidding. If you faithfully obey, blessing shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord. Verse 15, jumping ahead of the chapter. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Your choice, overtaken by blessing or overtaken by curses. Now, here's this mindset that we have, this paradigm that we think God is after us. And the moment we mess up, he's looking to throw curses at us. It doesn't work that way. These are spiritual laws that are in place. You know gravity is working right now? There's not a point where you turn it off and turn it on. If I were to step off this stage, I'm not defying gravity. I'm demonstrating it. <laughs> it's already working right? Blessings and curses are the same. It's like rivers. You might have one that is pristine and clear and, you know, and then you might have one that's a little bit murky, maybe barely moving. And God's saying, which one do you want? It's not like, you know, I pick up a river and throw it at you. No, it's not that. It's just based on your obedience, you have access to one or the other. Blessings and curses are generationally transferable. Blessings and curses are generationally transferable. If you didn't have any more motivation than right now, think about your children. The decisions you make today can open spiritual doors that can be trouble to them later on. This is why this is so important. This is why we don't, we don't want to take this lightly. And, and I know it's a little bit heavy right now, but we're coming into a clearing. We're coming into an opening. So God set forth the rules when it comes to blessing and curses. Uh, first of all, know this, that the root word of generation is generate. God created his people to generate. He wants his people to produce. He wants his people to, to cause something. That's what it means 
to generate. He wants God, he wa- God wants his people to generate life. That's where the blessing part comes from. That's what it's all about. But with every opportunity to live and give, there's also an opportunity to choose the opposite. And I don't know if you realize this, it is so easy to choose the opposite. I was talking about this last week. In the sports world, it is so common to find people who are cutting corners. Maybe a performance-enhancing drug. Maybe, um, you know, being biologically different than everybody else, but participating in and cleaning the, the whole field. Some of y'all caught that. Some of y'all didn't. And there's opportunity to cut corners. And by our human nature, that's what we love to do. And we just read that we are in a mess sometimes, not of a cause of your own. Sometimes you're experiencing a mess that you had nothing to do with. Sometimes the mess that you're in, when you look at the pattern, you realize, man, I'm not the first in my family to go through this. I'm not the first in my family to experience this. And you start to look through your family line and realize, wow, this is, this is something. It's, it's spiritual uh, implications. But I'm here to tell you that whatever pattern you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, even though it's not because of you, God has a solution for you. We're going to talk about this. But even though it's not your fault, don't pass the buck just yet because we love to pass the buck. We love, it's called blame shifting, right? Shift the blame. So, uh, and Chris, this is what I was talking about. You don't have this scripture. It's not in in my notes, so don't freak out, all right? Um, But there was a proverb in the book of Ezekiel. It's in chapter 18. You can look this up later. Um, but it, it, I'll paraphrase it. It says this. It says, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, but the children's teeth are on edge. Now, <laughs> as you try to expositionally and theologically and explain that, it's, it's easy, okay? It's this. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, but the children's teeth are on edge. In other words, the kids were blaming their parents for the condition that they were in. But then later on, God tells them, don't do that. Don't do that anymore. Matter of fact, God says, don't even, don't even quote that proverb anymore. Don't even mention that story or, or that saying. And here's what God meant by that. He was saying, don't use that proverb to continue doing what you choose to do anyway. So you might find yourself in a certain place or a certain position And even though you're in that position because of somebody else, sometimes we choose to remain there. And so we'll still participate. And so we can't pass the buck to the generation before us, even though there is a correlation. So what that means for us is don't use what was done in a previous generation as an excuse to keep doing it in yours. Don't use something that was committed in the previous generation as an excuse for you to continue in that, in that pattern. So a few verses later, he says, the soul of the father is mine, the soul of the son is mine, 
It is the one who sins that shall die. The one who commits the sin, whether it was a generation before or whatever is around you, if you're committing that sin right now, you are accountable. Okay? And so we bear the consequence of our, of our own decisions. We talked about Adam. He could have created another path, but, you know, humankind takes over sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, so think about it. If you're, maybe you're thinking, man, I'm kind of messed up like my mom, or I'm kind of messed up like my dad. You know, God bless you moms and dads. We're not, we're not saying that, <laughs> okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm saying if, if this is a situation and you find a pattern, all right, um, it's because if you find yourself in that place, it's because sometimes we choose to adopt that mess. Does that make sense? And it's funny because you know how siblings get together? And so me and my siblings will get together and we'll, we'll tell old stories of our moms and our dads. Remember, mom used to do that and dad used to do that and we crack up, right? And sometimes, even though it's a joke, there's an element of truth. You know, a joke is not a joke unless there's an element of truth. And that's why we need to be careful even as we joke. Right, Davina? We need to be careful when we joke about our parents and our family. <laughs> but we love our family. Sometimes it's fun to tease our family. So, but we adopt the mess. The point is this. Even if you stumble into something that wasn't necessarily your fault, maybe you stumbled upon it, maybe you grew up in it, or maybe you're currently in it. The point is you don't have to stay in it. You don't have to stay in it. 1 Corinthians 10, 20 and 21 says that you can sit at the table with demons. Now, there's a table of demons, and there's a table of the Lord. Okay? Stay with me because this is going to take a little bit of explanation. There's two tables, a table of the Lord, table of demons. That means you can, doesn't mean you invited the demons, okay? But it means a fellowship takes place, not even directly, because none of us in our right mind would fellowship with a demon, right? Okay, this ain't Halloween. I don't know about you, but if I saw a demon, I'd, I'd freak a little bit. I'd call on the name of Jesus, but I'd still be like, yo. <laughs> not, yeah, not today, devil, right? And so what it means is you could be at the table, and participate in an activity. And by participating in the activity, demons think, I am welcome here. Because of what we partake of in our life. Things that we dabble in that we shouldn't be dabbling in. Things that sometimes we think are innocent. This is, this is not harmful. And we dabble. And what, it, what happens is it invites demonic spiritual influences to come closer to you. Are you getting this picture? Think about the things that you do, and then think about those this passes on to. Sometimes I'm protective over just my home and what comes in. And so my kids sometimes will say, Mom, Dad, you're so old-fashioned. We're like, you call us what you want. That is not happening, son. You know what I'm saying? And then we laugh, ha, 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 fist bump, ha, 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 yeah, take that out. Right? But my kids, you know, they love us. They understand. Um, and so... You know, you're not inviting the demon to dinner, but by fellowshipping with the sin, by taking part of the sin, you bring demons near. 
This is a whole nother realm, guys. But I feel like you need to hear this. Because if you don't understand the spiritual side, you'll keep doing it. Just saying. If you keep doing what you're doing, if you keep disobeying, if you keep sinning, that demonic realm is right there where you are. And then when the demonic enters, it makes it even that much more difficult to quit because now what started off as a, something innocent has now turned into a, a demonic uh, infestation, if that makes sense. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen those fly traps, right? They used to have these ones a long time ago that you hang them. And it's like sticky and it's gross because all the flies will stick to it. Then you have this like totem pole of dead flies, you know, and it's gross. And so we're doing that spiritually. When we say, oh, this is not harmful. This is not going to hurt anybody. And we dabble in things. And so in our heart, we know, oh, we probably shouldn't be doing this. But yeah, it's, not, it's not, you know, not a big deal. And little do we know that there's a little bit of demonic infestation happening. Um, now. As I begin to tie this up, I want to talk about generational curses and consequences, but how to reverse them. How many are interested in this? Because I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to reverse them. So, okay, follow me here. Um, I'm going to paraphrase Galatians chapter 3 again. Uh, from verse 10 through 14, it says, uh, it talks about the righteous shall live by faith. And not the law. You live by faith and not the law. The law is the Ten Commandments. That's what, that's what the law is. I mean, I was just, you know, I had a, you know, uh, a great time in, in Israel. It was a free trip that I got to go on. And, and I learned so much. And they are big on the law. And so it's funny. We were a bunch of pastors on the bus. And they said, hey, okay, who can quote the Ten Commandments? We're like... Uh, does it have to be in order? You know? And they're like, yes. And we're like, no, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I know the first one, thou shalt not have any gods before me. Next, who's got it? Who's got it? Right? The law is the Ten Commandments. We know the law. Do not kill, do not steal, do not murder, do not bear false witness, do not use God, the Lord's name in vain. Right? We, we know that. That's, that's, the law is, is based upon that. Um, and the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. It's good to follow. It's good to obey it. But it says all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Now why? Why would the Bible say that? It's because all the law can do is show you the problem. But the law can't fix your problem. The law will tell you you are guilty as heck. You just did it. And then he drops you. <laughs> no therapy, no follow-up, nothing. So every time God gives a rule, he gives a consequence. If you break the law, this is what's going to happen. There's a consequence. And so the law of God is great for exposing you, but it's not great at delivering you. Okay, follow me. So what is going to make your situation right? It's this, Jesus. That's it. Let me, let me explain. Jesus is the only one who can make it right. Jesus took our curses so that we can be blessed. 
and we're going to come and we're going to bring this plane uh, into the landing. Here's what it says in verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That tree we know as the cross. And so by hanging and dying on the cross, he became the curse for us. Verse 14, so that, say so that. There's a reason. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. We here are all Gentiles. Unless you, by chance, happen to be Jewish, then you are not, and, and that's great. But for the rest of us, we had zero hope. We had no hope. And so Jesus did this for us. So the devil who tries to bully you and the devil who tries to condemn you and the devil who tries to lie to you and he tries to keep you scared so that he can keep you. This is why we don't tell, you know, hell is a very real place. The coming of Jesus is a very real thing. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about some of that, okay? But that's not our... That's not our chief primary message. Our primary message is Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And if that's not enough for you, he's got nothing else up his sleeve. That's enough to motivate me. Because I knew the pit that I was in when he pulled me out. The Bible says to whom much has been forgiven, to him who uh, is forgiven much, loves much. How many love God because you know where you were? Let me break it down. The devil is just an actor. So there's a couple of things that we need to talk about. And that's that the cross broke the devil's authority. But it didn't break his power. That's why it's so effective. That's why we get hung up so easy. Because what the devil does works. And you know what the crazy thing is? He knows your buttons. And he'll press those buttons all day. And then even when you get free and Jesus forgave you and you're like, man, I'm better. And the devil attacks you again. He doesn't bring a new game plan. He knows your weakness. He'll go right back to those same buttons. The Bible calls those familiar spirits. And so the things that I struggle with, the things that I've had to, to get victory through, when I see somebody else going through it, I know immediately why? because they're familiar spirits. I know exactly what you're dealing with. I've been there. So authority is legitimate use of power. Remember, the devil's just an actor. You know, if you think of, you know, say, uh, law enforcement, say policemen, right? Policemen have guns, but so do the criminals. What the, the, the police have something the criminals don't. It's called a badge. That badge represents authority. So one is using the power legitimately, while the other one is using the power illegitimately. And that's what the devil does. So everything that he's bringing against you is illegitimate. Everything he pronounces on you, guess what? It's effective. But at the end of the day, it should have nothing on you. Nothing on you. The devil will try to harm you. He'll tell you that you're stuck. He'll tell you that you're not going to make it. 
He'll, he'll, he'll scare you. He'll, he'll bring anxiety. He'll tell you, you know what, you're depressed. He'll tell you all these things. He'll say, remember your dad? Yeah, you're just like him, aren't you? That addiction, you won't get past that. I've got you. And he'll say all these things. But at the end of the day, he doesn't have that authority. So when Jesus comes in and he dies on the cross, he takes that authority. Now, the one who has authority now is speaking over your life. In Galatians, it says that the death of Jesus Christ broke the curse of the law. And in exchange, God would give his spirit. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, it's the Spirit's job to bring the promises of God into your life, but to also make those promises real. That's the Spirit's job. That's why the Bible tells us live according to the Spirit, not by our flesh, not by anything else that you hear. Live according to the Spirit. And then all of a sudden those things start to negate themselves. They, 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 all of a sudden, the things that the devil starts to tell you, you go, uh-uh, sorry, that's the wrong spirit. I'm living by this now. And everything that you're telling me is a lie. It's not true. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's like handling uh, dollar bills. You know how they say they train people to identify counterfeits? Not by giving them counterfeits. It's by giving them real money and making it count over and over and over and over. And all of a sudden, when a fake one pops up, they go, oh, whoa. So the more you get around God, the more you get around his spirit, the more you'll know where the truth is. And when the lie shows up, you'll go, oh, something is not right here. I'm sorry. I'm not in that camp. This is where I'm hanging out with God's people. So let me encourage you in this. Don't ever talk about being cursed again because the devil's a liar. Don't talk about being cursed again. Don't talk about curses. Go to the one who has authority. He has the master key. We might have, we might know how to fix one or two things. Jesus has got the key that fixes them all. Opens all doors. He goes, I got it. Just, just follow me. Follow me. This is only possible because of Jesus who broke the curse over your life. The curse and the consequence has been broken. Now all you have to do is speak it and claim it. Can you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just give me a moment. Just close your eyes and Maybe this is your first time to visit us, and I understand you may not be used to this, um, but nobody's looking around. Just, just keep your eyes closed. And I'm going to ask God to do something. Uh, no, better yet, I'm going to ask you to ask God something. Ask God to show you anything that you were unaware of. Again, as we're talking about uh, generational uh, consequences and curses and and blessings, and sometimes it's not even any fault of your own. And you're wondering, why do I struggle with this? Why can't I beat this? Why can't I win? I come to church, I pray, I, what is it? 
God, I just can't, I just can't get the victory in maybe a certain area. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a thought. I had somebody tell me, you know, I just always have this thought that I'm going to die early. And I say, guess what? That's a lie. That's a lie. Just ask God. God, just show me anything that, that I'm not aware of. Whether it's your fault or not. Some things are obvious. We know what we, what we dabble in. And I'll tell you right now that that's not too heavy for God. There's grace and there's forgiveness for you and for me. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to just move across this place. And now, if you feel like you've identified something, I'm going to do something. uh, Man, this might be weird, but I'm just going to do it anyway. (laughs) Just symbolically, whatever that thing is, whether you know what it is or not, whether you were directly involved or not, if you would just symbolically put that in your hand, just keep your eyes closed and just hold your hands in front of you. I know this is weird, but no one's looking at you, okay? (laughs) And just as a symbolic gesture to God, just hold that, whatever it is in your hands, and identify it as a lie. And now lift it up to him and give it to him and say, God, take it. And as they do that, Father, I just pray right now a release and a freedom from whatever it is that was lying, whatever it is that was, that was gripping, whatever it was that was holding them back. Father, we give that curse to you, that negative consequence. Somebody else did it or we did it. Lord, we give it to you. And now repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for your victory. Okay, now don't speak on this one in your heart and in your mind. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of whatever that was that you offered up to him. Jesus, forgive us. And now in your heart, say, Jesus, I renounce whatever that was. Just say that in your heart. Jesus, I renounce whatever that sin or whatever that curse was. And now say this aloud. Say, devil. Say it aloud. Say, devil. It is gone. I've confessed it. I have released it. It is under the blood of Jesus. And now I close those doors in my heart. I close those doors in my mind. And I celebrate my victory. Because Jesus became the curse. So that I can be blessed. I declare I am blessed. I am blessed. Say it again. I am blessed. I am blessed. Say my family is blessed. Say my children are blessed. Say my children's children are blessed. And for generations to come, I am setting forth 
a new motion of blessing and prosperity and right mindfulness and good health because I trust you, Lord. I'm blessed. In Jesus' name. Can we celebrate God before we get out of here? Now, Father, I just pray for those of us who found victory, for those of us who found freedom today. Father, I just seal those doors by the blood of Jesus. And I say that the enemy will not come back. I say the enemy will not find that house clean. He will not bring others. Father, I pray this day you help us to learn, to recognize, and to fight those things that uh, uh, might hinder us or, or slow us down or whatever it is. Oh, God, I just pray that today is a new day. Father, and we will live differently. We will speak differently. We will think differently. And that because we were delivered today, we'll help deliver others. In Jesus' name. Amen.